I'm a, a Kiwi, so I was uh, born in Wellington, New Zealand. Spent a lot of time, uh, a decade in the North Island, and then another decade in the South Island, a little place called Hokitika, which is on the West Coast, a place that rains and rains and rains, which is why I now live in Australia. <laughs> Wonderful. And tell us about your faith journey. Yeah, so I grew up in a, in a Catholic home. Um, was privileged to grow up in a family that was a very charismatic home. So, and we had a unique thing happening in our town where we had a combined Catholic and Church of Christ youth group, which is very, very strange. Mm. Um, so I was a leader in that, but before that I was part of some of the Catholic charismatic renewal stuff, came to faith at uh, 13. So I was at a big youth convention, uh, made a faith decision there, and really just became a leader um, of the Catholic Youth Group and helped combine that with the Church of Christ Youth Group um, all the way through, all the way up to now. And I understand you were in ministry for a while. Tell us where you served. Yeah, um, I trained in Wollongong originally in the late 80s then went back to New Zealand with my wife, who's an Australian. Um, we served in a couple of churches in Christchurch, did eight years over there and uh, helped out in an apostolic church in the Bible College for a couple of years before coming back to Australia where I work in the Uniting Church in Bondi Junction. I uh, started off in the, uh, as their manager of the building and eventually became the senior pastor there. So I was there until uh, 2008. So that's about 18 years of pastoral ministry, a couple of church plants and amongst all that, and have uh, just really loved that role. Oh, it's good to hear you've been busy, and uh, I understand that you were uh, the pastor of uh, Bernie Diamond in Bondi, and Bernie's well-known to our listeners through programs like Christianity Works and um, a different perspective. He's a, he's a great man of God, Bernie, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's a privilege to know, so I keep in contact occasionally with him, mainly through Facebook. He's pretty prolific <laughs> on there, and I uh, just love hearing what he's doing right around the world. There's a lot of stuff in India and all that kind of stuff, so um, really inspiring guy. So I've heard a lot of his testimony as well. You would have seen a real change in him over the years then, hey? Yeah, he he was a Christian when he came to our church, had been for a number of years, but really to see his movement into Christian leadership was just quite inspiring. And he, um, he's the kind of guy that doesn't do anything by halves. You know, it just um, was amazing what he did with Christianity Works, um, amazing resources, just him how much information he puts out is just amazing. So mm. in, in recent years, seeing him lose a lot of weight, actually. 
Yeah. He, went from, uh, he lost quite a lot of weight doing uh, healthy eating and, and walking exercise, so that's uh, really inspiring as well. It's because he eats at all those trendy restaurants. I, uh, I went out for dinner with him a couple of years ago, and he goes to those restaurants where they have really big plates and a really little bit of food in the middle. I think yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's, he's probably given up sugar since then, so yeah. that's really been the, um, one of the big things in his life. <laughs> and uh, I'm just curious to know, uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, you mentioned you were raised in this uh, you know, charismatic Catholic uh, Church of Christ youth environment. Uh, was there a conversion experience, or did you just always believe? Uh, yeah, I guess I grew up with faith, um, but it was, as I think I mentioned, when I was 13, going to a Catholic, go to a um, big uh, youth event over Easter, and just really that was the moment where I made that commitment. I remember sitting around the fire on Sunday night, you know, Easter Sunday, um, tears coming down my eyes, pretending it was all because of the smoke from the fire, but that really was that moment when I uh, made that personal decision that I would be following Jesus. Mm. Um, interestingly, I grew up, um, my middle name is named after a priest, so my mum and dad always believed I'd be the priest in the family. Um, never told me that, but um, after I made a commitment and then after I went off to Bible college, they actually said, look, this was the prophecy we had over you when you were a baby, um, which is quite amazing. Certainly, you can probably hear from my voice. I've got a cleft colour and a hair lip. So to have really made my whole career and living from being a public speaker within churches but also in training. Um, that's a little bit interesting. I really feel like the hand of God's been on that. Well, there you go. I'm looking at your photo on your website here and you've got a, a beard and a goatee and a couple of the photos, but I couldn't tell you had a cleft palate and a hair lip. Did, did you get bullied a lot as a kid? Yeah, I, I got called a lot of names and I guess I grew up as a really angry young person. Mm-hmm. Um, Interestingly, even after becoming a Christian, that didn't necessarily go away mm. uh, for quite a number of years. I, I remember um, my pastor at the time from the Church of Christ said, how's life going at the moment for you, Pete? And I said, great, I haven't had a fight all year on the rugby field. So that was kind of my indication. <laughs> wow. And uh, that following Saturday, I happened to pick somebody up and throw them over a fence on the side of the rugby field. And I looked up at the person that they landed at the feet of, and that was my pastor sitting right there. So that was the uh, last time I played rugby, actually. I I retired (laughs) after that. And, um, yeah, that wasn't a good place for me to be. But I've I've always been, you know, the Apostle Peter has always been the hero of mine because, you know, a person with a big heart who makes a real mess of life sometimes, um, doesn't always keep his mouth quiet when he should sometimes and can be a little bit volatile. So I kind of feel like that was symbolic of my teenage and early adult life probably. It's something that I'm glad I've got over, but I kind of see that characteristic of the Apostle Peter in, in that kind of part of my life. Yeah, well, it's interesting that uh, people who have a reputation for being a, a little bit hot-headed can sometimes end up being the best leaders, can't they? <laughs> Yeah, um, as long as people give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, we've still got to deal with, if we've got anger, we've still got to deal with that. Mm. Um, but it's just one of those things that's more obvious than some other, you know, often, uh, well, the truth is everybody's got an issue that they're dealing with. Some are more public than others. And I think sometimes we put to shame people who've got public ones rather than mm. private ones. Mm. Um, we've got to really look at the person's heart and encourage them to deal with whatever the issue is.
Now, let's move on a little bit uh, in your story. After all those years as uh, a pastor and church planning in different areas, uh, you then moved into business. Tell us about that transition. While I was leading the church at Bondi Junction, actually, I, I always felt like full-time ministry wasn't really for me. I, and so um, the heart of kind of doing some part-time business stuff developed. And so after I finished there, I went into working for the Salvation Army for a few years. But then part of that, I got the opportunity to set up my own business and do some part-time contracting. So for the last seven years, I've always worked part-time owning my own business. Um, and then two years ago, I went out full-time by myself. Um, but it, it's always something I really, really enjoy because of who I get to hang out with. Um, and I particularly enjoy it when I'm doing some part-time ministry at the same time. It really keeps me grounded, um, means I've got a certain amount of fit flexibility and finances that I can do stuff as well. Um, so I've really, really enjoyed it. And you know, in church life, you can't always judge how well you're going, but when you're running a business, you know, you, you know whether you're being successful or not. Um, so I can trial things in my business in terms of how I relate with people or how I do marketing or whatever, and I can see as, if that works there, then I can take those principles into my other work as well. Well, I can tell you're a motivated guy, uh, not just by your, your background in ministry and in business, but recently you completed 2,405 kilometres uh, running in New Zealand in 59 days. That's 57, 57 marathons in 59 days with a 12-kilogram backpack on your back. And uh, you did this to help fundraise for Destiny Rescue, one of my favourite missions uh, in Southeast Asia. Tell us how this all came about. Yeah, I've always believed that everybody has kind of a big dream in their life, you know, something kind of a big event. Um, and so part of it, when I started running way back at about in my 38, 39, when I turned that kind of age, um, I just I, I did a marathon as my very first running event. I didn't do a half marathon or anything. It was always the longest thing you possibly can. And then after doing one marathon, I did some events where we were doing three marathons in three days and I was doing some ultra marathons, and I just kind of kept on going, what can I do bigger, better, longer? And so a kind of dream of a big epic event came up, and then eventually I found out about this New Zealand uh, bush track from the beginning, from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South Island. And um, I thought that's something I'd love to do, and planned it for a couple of years. Uh, working for yourself means if you take two months off, obviously not making any income, I had to kind of arrange all of that. And then I did that in December 2016 is when I began and finished in February uh, 2017. So, yeah, 57 marathons in 59 days, which was um, an amazing journey, absolutely beautiful, um, incredibly hard, much, much harder than I ever imagined. Um, but we raised over $9,500 so far for Destiny Rescue. Wow. It's uh, been a great outcome. Congrats. And, and I got to catch up with some old mates, you know, which was fantastic as well. Well, congratulations on the uh, the fundraising effort. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly recommend Destiny Rescue to anyone that wants to be involved in, you know, rescuing children from the slave trade. And uh, I visited uh, a couple of their uh, hostels or, or orphanages uh, in uh, Cambodia a couple of years ago and 
I remember that the young girls that had been rescued were being trained to be baristas and they made some coffees and Anzac bickies for us. And wow. uh, they were also sewing ballet dresses for a Brisbane ballet company. Uh, so they're <laughs> being trained to work, you know. And, you know, just wonderful that they give these girls a second chance. It's such a great ministry, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. You know, and, you know, the truth is on the really, really bad days, you know, when you're absolutely exhausted and tired and think you can't go another step, it's the reason why you're doing it that keeps you going. And remembering that every $300 we raised meant that a girl could get taken out of of a brothel, given education, given accommodation, given um, back their life, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, and... um, as, as the leader says of that organisation says, you know, what would you do for your own daughter? You know, if my daughter was stuck in a brothel somewhere, would I be willing to go in and do whatever it took to get that get her out? Yeah. And um, all I was doing was running. You know, that was relatively easy. Um, but other people got really on board with that. And it was really exciting to see people get excited about that. Whether they're people of faith or not, actually 90% of my money came from people outside the church, and it was great that they could get excited about something that's so important. Now, I'm looking at your website here, and I can see some photos of your feet, and uh, just uh, just quietly, they look like hobbit's feet, you know, like you've, like you've been yeah. going through Middle Earth uh, in New Zealand there. So obviously, physically, it would have been, you would have paid a big toll, but I'm just curious, spiritually for you, over that 59 days, uh, there would have been some dark moments spiritually I can imagine but also probably some of uh, you know you, you probably got a chance to pray a lot while you're doing that what was it like for you spiritually while you're going for that walk yeah um actually that was one of the challenges of it was spending that amount of time where you're by yourself mm. and able to pray and talk and, and do all that um the, the the biggest lesson I learned which is a funny funny lesson um happened on about the fifth day and the fifth day I started moving at six o'clock in the morning and finished at 11 o'clock that night through the bush. Um, I'd expected to finish about four o'clock. Um, the terrain was much worse than I imagined. It was mud up to my knees. Um, I thought there was a lot of water there and there wasn't so I ran out of water at four o'clock so the last six hours was without water um, and I at one point got lost and I was crawling through bush and under trees and I was saying to God, look, you know, really all I need is some water. Can you just make some water appear? This is in the middle of New Zealand and the bush you think there's water everywhere, but there wasn't. And no water appeared. And I got really, really angry at God about that. And eventually I got to a farm at ten thirty at night and I knocked on his door and got some water from him. And after reflecting on it uh, later on I realised that really what had happened was that if God had given me a miracle in the middle, I would never have learned on my own capacity or the capacity that God's given to me to actually go further than I ever imagined. So I really felt like God was saying to me, hey, often we ask for him to do something when really he's already given us the resources to do it. Um, You know, I was thinking about Peter in that boat when Jesus said, come out in the water. But the only reason he walked on the water was they were in the middle of their lake. If we'd been near the shore, Jesus wouldn't have said to him, get out, walk across the water. If he'd got out of the water and it was up to his knees, there was no need for the miracle. And I, and I guess God was saying to me, hey, so often you're asking for me to do something and you're waiting, but you've just got to go to the nth degree of what you're capable of 
and asking the finish doing what you're capable of, that's where the miracle of God comes in. Mm. Um, so it's a strange kind of lesson from God, um, but I really felt that was the big thing that I learned on the whole journey. Now, God gives everybody uh, capacity, and we are responsible for going as far as we can with that and getting to the point where only God can do some stuff, and that's where the miracles happen. Well, it's so true, isn't it, that we all have so much more potential and capacity that we realize. And, uh, you know, sometimes God stretches us, but uh, he's always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And, uh, yeah, no, that's wonderful. Well, congratulations on uh, your uh, 57 marathons in 59 days and uh, your funds raised for Destiny Rescue. Absolutely uh, wonderful. If people want to find out more, they can go to your website, impactfacilitation.com.au, and they can connect with Peter Watson there and find out more about uh, your work and your ministry. And uh, the, the Run New Zealand uh, promo video there is worth having a look at as well. Thank you so much for your time today, Peter. I reckon you're a history maker. God bless. Thank you, Matt. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.